friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel Jay. Usually Jay would say where we are, but I'm going to ask you two, Ryan, where are we? Well, welcome where to am I? Brews Beers, which is in Denver, Colorado, North Denver. We're the premier all-Belgian-style brewery in, okay. in the area here. And, uh, you know, 10 minutes to downtown, but this is our production facility and tap room. So if folks are trying to get here, I was trying to figure out what's the fastest way. You go up 70 and then get over this way or go? Yeah, if you go up, um, you can get off at Pecos okay. on 70 mm-hmm. and come on the way up. Okay. Uh, or you can... Uh, Take 25 up to 76, okay. and then uh, head west, and Pecos is your first exit. And yep. you know, as you exit Pecos and 76, you're you're about four blocks away. Right there, right there, top of the hill. And what is your name, sir? Because you're Charlie co- Gotten Kenny. Okay, I'm, uh, one of the co-founders. All right, and um, and your your last name, Ryan, is yeah Evans E V A N S Ryan Evans. And okay. Charlie and I founded this thing together, kind of. Dreamed it up together and dug yep. deep and made it happen. So, so, uh, so, so you say you dreamed it up together. How did the conversation even start? Or let's just even go back further. Where did your individual relationships with beer start? Like, um, well, my my individual relationship with beer started in 1988. Okay. I started home brewing that year. Okay, and uh, you know, learned more and more over the years. I was doing a lot of business travel in Europe then. And spent a lot of time in Belgium and just fell in love with Belgian beers. Okay. So they were always my favorite style to brew, although okay. I can brew anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, we were I, I was uh, conducting a class at, at uh, Colorado Free University, mm-hmm. and it was on Belgian beers, and Ryan and his wife attended. Wow. And that was how we met. Okay. What year was that then? That would have been 2014. Yeah, probably around 2014 Okay, uh, is, is when we met. And I, I uh, fell in love with Belgian beer. I was backpacking uh, Europe in college. Mm-hmm. And like any good college student at that uh, time, I was on my way to check out Amsterdam. Okay, yes. And I had a, uh, a, a train change in Brussels, and I'd never been there. I, like I said, I was on my way to Amsterdam. I didn't know anything about Belgium. Yeah. And I had a couple hours to kill, and so I, I go to a near, nearby pub there and... I uh, asked for a, a beer menu, and the guy brings out this book, mm-hmm. literally a book of beers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know a single one of them. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing I recognize. So he comes back from my order, and I said, like, I, I have no idea. What what do you drink? And he goes, I'm a Belgian triple guy. I'm drinking triple Carmelite lately. I said, bring me one of those. Uh-huh. He brings me this glass of triple Carmelite. I've never had anything like it in my life. I can still remember the moment I tasted that beer, and I said, whoa, what is this? I had no idea. I wound up getting three or four more beers off of his list and walking sideways back to the uh, train station, but uh, I, I had been changed, and I, I lived in northern France for school and wound up going to Belgium countless times. Okay. You know, I could get there, I get to Brussels in less than two hours from where I was living. Wow. And, uh, and I was hooked, and like Charlie said, I came home. I couldn't find any good Belgian beer around here, and then uh, my wife saw an ad about Charlie's class mm-hmm. here in Denver, and uh, so she bought me a ticket for my birthday, and we went, and met charlie and i tasted his beers along with some belgian beers yeah, that he brought. I brought a couple of, of nice. my own along with the uh, commercial beers we had okay yeah and i was blown away i said charlie this is as good as what i was drinking over there 
And uh, we just kind of hit it off. And at the time, he was planning on maybe opening a brewery in California. And I said, well, you got to keep planning on that. But I'll, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to work on planning one here with you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and luckily, Colorado won out. Yeah. So. I got to say, the fact that your relationship with beer, this kind of beer, right, good, good beer, craft beer, not mass-produced beer, happens in Europe is uh, that's a rare story. We often just get so many, you know, I had a fat tire, or I had a Lagunitas, or I had a Sierra Nevada. So yeah. you can taste it in this beer that you have a, a commitment to the tradition that, that's rather impressive. So Yeah, we brew a blend of uh, traditional Belgian styles mm-hmm. as well as Belgian-inspired styles where right. we get a little more creative. Yeah, uh, Creativity is kind of one of the hallmarks of Belgian beer. So, you know, pretty much anything goes, and uh, people like it or they don't, but, you know. It's a, yeah, no, it. This is how beer ought be drank, if you ask yeah. me, for sure. Yeah. So I got to ask Charlie, before you started making beer, what was what was the job you were working that got you to Europe? I was a, a sales consultant. Okay. So I consulted with sales organizations on a variety of, you know, compensation and and uh, I had a curriculum of courses that I would okay. uh, deliver uh, at one time for another company, and then I formed my own company, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, uh, I was over. I was actually representing uh, the company that I worked for over in Europe. So I went around to all the countries there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I would train instructors and train agents and stuff how to go and sell it locally. Uh, it makes sense because you have uh, you carry with you quite the uh, the uh, natural uh, approach to speaking in a microphone. So uh, nice <laughs> yeah, work. Yeah. Does, the, no. Yeah. There's oftentimes uh, that brewers and brewery owners get a little awkward, uh, but you guys have it figured out. <laughs> were you drinking beer prior to starting to make your own beer? I mean, yeah, what, you know, I was you drinking beer beer? Uh, Miller Lite mostly, okay. and then I started drinking, you know, a little bit of Moosehead and yeah. Henry Weinhardt's and and then I went to Belgium, and I had an experience similar to Ryan's. Yeah. I uh, got there, and I, I had read an article about uh, Belgian beers on the plane. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I noticed this little bar right in the middle of the Sheraton that I was staying at. Yeah. And I said, okay, that's first stop tonight before dinner. Of course, dinner never really. I never <laughs> made it to dinner that night. But I went in there, and same type of thing. I asked him, you know, what, what should I try? And he says, oh, we, we have Budweiser. And that's like, no. No. I didn't come to Europe to drink Budweiser. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he uh, he started giving me some of the milder stuff, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, have you got anything like what I read in this article? And, uh, eventually, uh, he, he started breaking out real, you know, traditional Belgian beers uh-huh. for me after realizing that this, this American guy actually likes them. So a lot so of Americans at that time would go over there and not even want to try the local beer. Right. The homebrewing thing, though, I guess when you had got started, I mean, that, that, there was still kind of a cult around homebrewing at that time, right? I yeah. mean, around the country, but especially kind of in different pockets. 88, it was pretty young as a hobby, and okay. uh, there weren't the things available that brewers have now. Homebrewers can get anything that a professional brewer can yeah. get nowadays. In those days, not, not so much the case. So I started homebrewing because I couldn't find any. I was in Dallas at the time, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find... Uh, you know, much in the way of Belgian beer other than Stella and Duvel. Right. You know, both of, well, one of which I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know <laughs> you're saying. And uh, so I just said, well, let me see what I can do and make some of my own. And I started brewing and mostly Belgian beers. And uh, So that mean you were going to the, you had to be going to the hardware store a lot to get random hoses and clamps? Actually, and I got lucky and okay. found a fairly good homebrew shop two miles from my house. Okay, convenient. So 
Yeah, it was convenient and uh, pretty rare in the late '80s. It was very rare in the late sure. '80s. A lot of cities the size of Dallas would have one homebrew store. Yeah, for the I whole think city. Dallas had two for the whole city. Wow, and so one was near me. What got you up here then to Denver? Well, I uh, lived in Dallas about 20 years, mm-hmm. and uh, I had met my now wife, mm-hmm. uh, and we decided that long distance between Dallas and Denver wasn't working, so I moved up here because. Okay. Uh, as a consultant, I could pull up pull up stakes pretty easily. Yeah. So uh, moved up, and we eventually got married, married. and uh, that live living happily. Living, living happy, yeah, <laughs> and owning a owning a brewery. And Ryan, what are you? Are you a Colorado native? Colorado native, born and raised in Littleton here, a okay. suburb of Denver. Yep. And uh, yeah, I live over in Golden now, but uh, I've spent my life here. You know, I traveled for college a lot, okay. but I, I still wound up. Coming back home to live, you know, this mm-hmm. is uh, this is my state. I, the, the best people and the best year-round living you can have. You know, there's places around the world that have maybe a better summer or a better winter or a better fall, but mm-hmm. year-round, this is this is still hard to beat. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Colorado's my home and probably always will be. That's uh, impressive. It's a good place to be, yeah. for sure. So you two, um, I, I'm assuming that kind of worldly perspective, has it, I guess, how, how did it influence those early stage discussions and how does it influence how you run the business now because i mean i could just already from talking to you two yeah i mean i, I think our our yeah. belgian influence is there we like to say we're it's all of our beers are belgian influenced but colorado made yeah. um you know we've both been there we in fact we take groups there every year mm-hmm. uh, on beer tours wow. so our next one will be late next year about a year from now will be the next trip but uh we we go over there because it's a the best beer in the world but mm-hmm. b it, it's our inspiration and mm-hmm. we take these uh groups on these tours and we come back home and we'll have a dozen beers yeah. that we're fired up to brew again because we'll we'll remember this authentic method that this brewery did and said man we need to implement that at our brewery or, or yeah. try this style or, or yeah, lots of inspiration on the trip you know i i think that's our guiding light you know some of the oldest beer culture in the world mm-hmm. uh, so there's plenty to dig through and plenty to to be inspired by and mm-hmm. We just kind of keep that as our, our, our overall goal, and then we turn our our uh, lights on here as far as just coming up with unique ways to do it and, yeah. and put some Colorado spin on it, put some American spin on it. Um, but the traditional ways are, are kind of our, our thing. You go to what if you could if you could kind of summarize the ethos of Belgian beer making to you? What is it to you two? You know what what is what's it? We live in a bubble here, so it's got to yeah. be different. A lot of it is is creativity and it's non-traditional methods. So, you know, where the Germans next door had very, you know, tight regulations right. on them with the Reinheitsgebot that could only use four ingredients, um, and they had to figure out how to make everything using mm-hmm. those four ingredients, Belgians are much more adventurous. They'll okay. put fruit in beer, spices, pumpkins, whatever, and, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll they, um, their yeasts are unique. So, okay. whereas most German yeasts are pretty much pretty similar, mm-hmm. uh, they're all lager yeasts. Uh, Belgian yeasts are mostly ale yeasts, at least for the the craft part of Belgian beer making, and okay. and uh, the the yeasts actually are contribute to the flavor profile. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of Belgian beer gets defined by by the yeasts, mm-hmm. and the yeasts a lot of times will have wild mm-hmm. uh, yeasts in it and wild bacteria that you know are beneficial, and yeah. and they use these elements uh, as they're making the beer so is that is there a reason for, i mean historically aside from is it just wanting to be different than the germans or is there some sort of kind of ecological reason why it, 
the Belgians had to begin brewing beer like that versus the Germans? Well, uh, it's a good question because a lot of beer is regional in Belgium. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're down in the south, they make more saisons and things like that. If you're out in certain parts of the of the country where monasteries are, they're making more of the Trappist-style beers. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's just some that, you know, are doing their own thing out there and really doing it well. Right. So um, they tend to use the ingredients from their region. If they're growing wheat and rye, mm -hmm. they'll make the beer out of wheat and rye. Right. If they're, you know, growing other things, uh, local fruits, spices, and things like that, yeah. uh, will go into the regional beers. And so, you know, a country the size of Maryland there are 800 beers made in Belgium, yeah, and uh, they're phenomenal. And there's very few that are, you know, exactly like each other. Yeah, it sounds a lot more like some some the kind of Scandinavian approach to brewing beer in the sense like you t you take the the resources that are available to you, whether that's mm -hmm. throwing beer in a tree stump, right, and just letting it age or something like that. It sounds like you kind of take what you have and you make use of it in Belgium. Yeah, and that was the whole thing. So you had farmhouse ales, and they would make yeah. them out of you know, whatever, and they would use these to pay their, as part of the pay for their seasonal workers. Okay. So a saison means season, seasonal mm -hmm. workers, and the farmer would brew the beer on the farm, and whatever he had that he could throw in there, that's what he'd make the beer out of. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. what's available regionally, but also when it's available, right? right? They're very seasonal brewers over there. You know, the, the lambic season is just about to start, probably next week or the, or, right. or the week after, and it's because it's cold enough, and they, they use those cool ships and uh, some of the fruits ready and, you know, all of that. But it's a very natural process for them. You know, they, they go through the same system every every year mm -hmm. where they know mm -hmm. this season's coming up this is what they're going to be brewing and uh you know we try to mirror that here we grow uh we just harvested beets we have a garden behind the brewery oh, here nice. and we just harvest harvested our our take of beets this year and we'll brew next week our our annual beet saison and it's right. a bright red earthy unbelievably dry and and yummy beer food okay. pairing beer we do it once a year, and when uh -huh. those beets are ready, we brew it, and when that beer's gone, it's gone. It's and, gone until the next year. It's very much like they do it over there. It's kind of fun to be able to do that here in, in essentially a, a large city. Do you see that wisdom or, or intelligence or awareness about that kind of traditional beer-making process, right, that comes from Europe in your beer drinkers that come in here, or are you educating them when they sit down at the bar? A little of each. Okay. Yeah. We educate them. We've been big on education since we opened. Uh, a lot of people know they've tasted Belgian beers. They like them, but they don't know much about them. Mm -hmm. They go to the liquor store. You know, it's, it's all too weird, and so they buy something they know. Right. Uh, so we try to educate them, and and uh, we have you know people that have never tasted a Belgian beer before, mm -hmm. and we have people that are devoted to them. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean it's. Did you ever go to the Old Monk in yes. Dallas? Yeah, that's that's where I learned how to drink craft. Well, you know, that small was the first beer. place I took my wife on a date. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> it worked out pretty well. The Old Monk. The Old Monk for sure. Yeah. Have you noticed people are kind of uh, opening up their arms to to this style of beer and that kind of experience uh, in ways that you thought was going to happen? Or I mean, what what are you seeing since opening doors? Well, you know. Uh, I think the more adventurous people are the ones that come in and try different things. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. There are some people that only ever drink the IPA, right? And that's all they drink. Mm -hmm. And there are people that you know are always looking for some. What do you have? It's like a Coors Light. Yep. Yep. Nothing. No. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But we do. We do make lagers now, and uh, you know, lagers are the bulk of the consumption in in Belgium. Mm -hmm, They're mm -hmm. kind of industrial lagers. Okay. Stella being the one we know best here. Yep. And. 
They're probably better than than a lot of the macro brewed U.S. beers. Yeah. Not a ton better. Yeah, yeah. It would be most folks wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I don't think if you yeah. if you drink yeah. it. So you take the class with him, and then what's the timeline between finishing that class, reaching out, having the conversation, and actually starting planning? What what what? Give me the. You know, it breakdown. probably took us a good three years to get the doors open from when yeah. we uh, kind of tasted and had the uh, the spark to getting it. Financed and and pulling mm-hmm. pulling all our resources together, finding a property, building it out, certifying it, you know, licensed, getting it all up and running. It, it was probably a good solid three to three and a half by the time we were pouring beers to the public. Did you uh, go yeah. to him to say that we want to do this? Like who? Like who was? Well, we both uh, kind of. Was he a really had, good student? Tossed about the well, he drank all his beer. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I mean, because you didn't know him from Adam, right? When you took the class, you didn't know him. No, so. I didn't know Charlie no. from anyone. I just knew well, Belgian we styles. We exchanged information. Okay. I was working on a project out in California that I thought I was going to be moving out there, uh-huh. so I didn't want to get anything started here. Right. And then that project, uh, the people funding it, got a lawsuit against them, and the whole thing kind of fell apart. That's fun. So I called Ryan and said, you know, I'm not working on that California project ah. anymore. Yeah, yeah. And we, we just started talking. Okay. Started having beers in Charlie's basement and hacking through yeah. pro formas. We would homebrew stuff together uh-huh. and the g- go through the, the process. The really cool part is we were on the same page from the get-go. You know, we mm-hmm. knew we wanted to do Belgian styles and only Belgian styles. We knew we wanted to... to make the best Belgian styles we possibly could. And so that part really fell into place early on and, and was the easy part. You know, finding the properties and getting the licenses and all that were, were much harder than, uh, you know, than what we were trying to accomplish as far as a brewery. You know, we, we knew that the, the brew scene in Denver was blowing up and we knew that we couldn't just open a brewery. We needed to add value. Right. And we needed to add value in what we thought was an important way. So luckily our model did that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so that was very easy. We're a niche here. We're the, you know, pretty much yeah. the only people that only do Belgian styles. Did you recognize that before you even started brewing? Oh, yeah. oh, we set oh, out deliberately okay. to have a theme to the brewery. Okay. I think the, the trap a lot of breweries fall into, pretty much homebrewers drive the industry in mm-hmm. terms of new people Oh, yeah, for in. sure. And homebrewers make everything, so mm-hmm. they open a brewery that makes everything. But, you know, tightening it down into a niche uh, is a little harder. And, yeah. and I've talked to a lot of brewers that said, you know, we want to specialize more. What's your advice on that? But yeah. we've done it from the get-go. We just knew we wanted to make Belgian, and Belgian would make us stand out. In terms of brand and not just beer... Knowing from day one that that was going to be the th- you know the brand, how did you st- start to roll that out? I mean, was it just did you do you have, a, do you have a, a like brand guidelines? Did you know okay here's what we're going to do? We're not going to fall. For, we're not going to you know waver from our plan. Any of this stuff? You just no. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> we wavered from the plan a, okay. a bit. I mean, not the core plan, but right. Um, you know, we're we we have a different viewpoint now that we've been open a few years, mm-hmm. and and uh, so you know it was a little bit different than the way we started out. Mm-hmm. But we've learned a lot. Okay. You know, we've both soaked up a heck of a lot of knowledge in the last uh, three years, three and a half years, and, and uh, that's, you know, that's paid off for us. So so what's been, what kind of knowledge are you soaking up? What's the, been the biggest surprise or shocker? Well, one of them is authenticity. Okay. So we really like to make authentic styles of beer mm-hmm. or beer that's inspired by authentic styles. So that takes a lot of research and reading and you know, and going over to Belgium, as Ryan mentioned, you yeah. know, you get inspired over there. Yeah. Um, the other thing we decided that, that we absolutely weren't going to compromise on, and we never have, is quality. Okay. 
you know, we don't rush them through the system. We mm-hmm. don't, uh, we use top quality ingredients. We mm-hmm. pay probably more for ingredients than any brewer in the city. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a problem with that. Yeah. You know? it's, yeah. Uh, it's part of part of the business plan. Yeah, that totally makes sense to me. And you can yeah, taste it in the beer, too. And we're sitting right where we want to be. You know, we, we, we feel like we've got some of the best Belgian styles in the Denver area. And, and, you know, we just came off a Great American Beer Fest with a silver medal in our quad, which is a really great, you know, that's right where we want to be. We want yeah. to be competing with the best quads in the country. And, yeah. and we, we hit that one into second place. So that's, you know, for us, we, we just stay with it, uh, you know. We, a lot of these bars are our, our list of places that will carry kegs in, in a restaurant or tap room in town. Our no list is probably way bigger than our yes list. You know, you're not going to see us probably in the sports bar. They're buying, you know, beers for a third that price. And, and that's great. And they're selling it by the pitcher. And, you know, we're 8, 10, 12 ounce pours of quality stuff for those that get it. And, and they're not it. in shaker pints either. Yeah, they're not, we don't have a shaker pint. We never have a shaker pint. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big one for us. Yeah, for sure. That's a big one for us. Uh, but we just stick with it. And yeah. and we're proud of it. You know, it, it we have people that drive all the way across town to come see us okay. on a regular basis. Okay. And I think that says a lot because they drove by 50 breweries to mm-hmm. get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for someone to drive an hour mm-hmm. and pass 50 breweries, they get it. They That's, know what we're doing. Yeah. So was it the, um, knowing that you both kind of know how to brew and you were home brewing, but it's very clear you're both very smart, you know, and kind of business savvy. Were these decisions as you're planning kind of back and forth and back and forth? We're going to brew this, but we're also going to think about business plan. We're going to brew this. We're going to think about location, all of this. Or is it, okay, we have our beers. Now let's go find a location. Yeah, we have a staff meeting once a week, and we'll sit down and discuss the beers we're looking to brew. We get input from the other people, from the bartenders and stuff, and Mm -hmm. taproom managers. And, and, uh, you know, so it's a kind of a collaborative process. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I could decide what all the the beers are going to be, but then, you know. It wouldn't be as good as if all of us, right. you know, chipped in and right. and uh, worked on that decision. So, what about when you're planning though? Before this, before this even opened, it's just you two. Like, what are you thinking? Yeah, pretty yeah. much us. And yeah, it was the two of us. We knew we wanted a really strong base of beers, which mm-hmm. would have been a, a single, double, triple quad. Yep, yep. And so we started brewing our beers for opening a year before we opened. Okay. And so we started with the big beers. You know, we we brewed our quad first mm-hmm. that we were going to open with. And, and this is age. 11, 12 months out. And wow. so we put it in cold storage at a warehouse here in town. And we worked at other breweries and, and did some contract brewing there. Mm-hmm. So by the time we got our certificate of occupancy for this space, we had seven or eight beers that were right where we wanted them okay. to be. And okay. so we, we looked at that. We planned it. Now we're much deeper. You know, we've got 20 tap lines here. And we usually have more beers than tap lines. And we push the envelope. You know, we do more fruit beers and more sours and you know we time has given us uh the benefit of making some of these beers we we've bought a lot of tanks unjacketed room temperature tanks Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we run some of our long-term beers in up to three years they sit in these tanks and there's not a lot of breweries that are going to tie up one tank for three years Um, but we set out to have a set number of those tanks, we call them the play tanks, the fun tanks, that we mm-hmm. can get this funky stuff going mm-hmm. and really experiment and push the envelope. Uh, you know, a lot of breweries are the two weeks, that beer's got to get out of that tank because the next one's coming yeah. in and there's no compromise on time and we, we don't operate that one. I'm impressed by what's very clearly an acknowledgement of the long term, mm-hmm. right? Do you think, in your two opinions, that sets you up pretty solid for this marketplace? 
you know, to kind of know. Like, just to be patient. It's patience, right? It's your patience. It is patience. And yeah. it's making sure your beers are finishing properly before you go and serve them. We've probably got nine beers in there right now that aren't on tap because we don't have taps for them. Yeah. But also because they're, they're still going through their conditioning process. Mm-hmm. But taking a longer view allows you to plan seasonally. Mm-hmm. You know, as Ryan mentioned earlier, that's right. what the Belgians do. And, and most Belgian breweries maybe make three to five beers. Mm-hmm. You know, we probably make 45 to 50 in a year. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're always turning over stuff, always bringing new stuff out, bringing back stuff that we haven't brewed in a while. And If and you could, would you only brew four or five beers? No. No, you like no, that. We no, experimentation. we get stir That's crazy. No yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming the function of beer there is different than it is here in a place like Denver. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, you, you've got eight, nine generation deep families that are still brewing the right. same recipe, right? right? In the same location from yeah. nine generations ago. The the history over there blows you away. I mean, we, we build houses that fall over in 75 years, and these guys are nine generations yeah. on the same recipe. So yeah. it, it is different to that aspect, and we do have some of those that we regularly brew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we always are working on new stuff, and there's always new stuff on the tap. Almost weekly, we're releasing a new beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, it's not only for us. I mean, we, we do it because we enjoy it, but we get the feedback from over the bar, mm-hmm. right? So all of our brewers in the back have to serve beer up, up front. Uh-huh. And the reason we do that is because you can you can think you know the, everything about beer, mm-hmm. right? because you're brewing it and you're making it and you're designing it and you're doing it all in the back. But it's not until you start to hear what people say mm-hmm. and do when they're drinking it at your bar yeah. that you start to realize, well, maybe I'm off on this or I didn't realize this was popular yeah. or oh, I didn't see this coming. And so all of our brewers work up front at least once or twice a month just to get that interaction. And I'll tell you what, they make better beers because of it, and they come back Absolutely. with inspiration because of and it. And they're less weird, probably, too, because of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> People in caves. Um, yeah. So are you looking at POS data all the time? I mean, are you pulling data all the from the All the time, yeah. Any surprises over the last year that you said, wow, that beer is selling a hell of a lot more? We were than surprised by how fast the loggers took off. Uh, We've brewed yeah. a number of them now. Okay. And uh, we didn't we didn't think the market cared that much about the mm-hmm. loggers, but... Mm-hmm. You know, we make really good loggers, and yeah. and they love them. So, if you had to put your finger on why that is, what do you think this 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 increase in logger interest well, is? Well, you know, it's always been there. I mean, North America is a logger continent. Yeah, we drink a lot of logger, yeah. just not in craft beer bars. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah but the, you know, the craft beer makers, you know, you buy a pilsner at a good craft brewery, that's going to be way different than. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, uh, Miller Lite fine pilsner beer. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Sorry to slam. No, you're good. I, think, I don't think that they listen to the podcast. I think you're <laughs> okay. Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Probably not. So you know, uh, they have their product, and they, they have the people that like it. And yeah. More power to them. I always tell people, drink what you like. Right. Yeah. Drink but what if, you but like. But if you like quality and you like things that are interesting mm-hmm. and not the same thing you had last week, you know, Belgian beers are going to be your friend. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, I guess just from your experience in talking to people, is it is it easier? To take a Miller Lite drinker and get them to be drinking these Belgians, then maybe a really hoppy, you know, double dry hopped. Oh IPA. yeah, I mean we this we, the we call it the conversion rate, right? We convert a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and yeah. and it does start, you know. I I think that what we call our entry level beer for conversion would be our Dom Blanche, our wit beer, our white wheat yep, beer, yep. and it's so smooth same style and, and as, easy. Uh, Blue Moon. Okay. Yeah, same. You know, Blue Moon kind of revived that style in yeah. the United States, and uh, but. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a really popular one that gets people in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our IPA, believe it or not, our IPA, people who say, I do not drink IPAs, if that comes out of their mouth, I give them a small splash and I say, you got to try this. And they wind up ordering it. And yeah. it's because it's a, a very well-balanced, not mm-hmm. overly bitter, uh, Belgian-style IPA. So yeah. it's it's very smooth. They're, they'd been burned in the past by overly bitter Yeah. IPAs, which it went, you know, I, we related it to hot wings to where how tough are you? You know, mm-hmm. how, how many yeah, IBUs can you yeah. handle? Yeah. And it was just ridiculous there for a few years. And I, I think some people got burned and an IPA doesn't have to be that way. And right. that's that, believe it or not, is our number one selling beer is, be is an IPA mm-hmm. uh, for everything else that we craft and we're proud of. The IPA is double the, the best beer. It's in a here. drinkable beer uh, as I far mean, as what yeah. we sell. You had mentioned, too, what what else was surprising. And I think. I think the popularity of the fruit beers. Okay. Um, you know, we we get whole fruits sometimes. We'll get Palisade peaches from Palisade, Colorado, and cut them up. I mean, we, we go to great lengths to get really high yeah. quality fruit. It's not easy. It's 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 a lot of work in the back of the house, and mm-hmm. it, and it's it's, it's, it's expensive, a tough yeah. job, and it's expensive. But I'll tell you what, we we knew fruit beers were going to be popular, but. When we release a fruit beer, it just flies off the shelf. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't keep them on. Yeah. And yeah. that was... Uh, the Belgians invented fruit beer, so... They really did. Wow. Yeah. did not know that. See, this, yeah. It's unfiltered because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It goes back hundreds of years, you know, okay. with the uh, lambiques and stuff. Uh-huh. They would put cherries and raspberries in them. And okay. That makes a lot of sense. And now there's all sorts of stuff that goes in. Yeah, exa- I mean... <laughs> but it makes it interesting. It does, it, for sure, right? Everything's always changing. So when you open things up... Was there any desire to be anything other than a tap room, and uh, and and or or was there a, is there a bigger business plan? Uh, originally, our plan was more toward more distribution, okay. you know, canning and bottling and and that sort of thing. Canning sort of came into vogue, you know, during our early years. We changed the business plan though. We really just decided that that wasn't so much the market we wanted to be mm-hmm. in. We wanted to be in. You know, having tap rooms that, first of all, you could sell the beer for more, right? Uh, without going through distributors and mm-hmm. things like that. And we wanted to be kind of a neighborhood brewery mm-hmm. that uh, you know had reach out beyond uh, where we are. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've kind of taken the approach of rather than you know get big canning lines and you know make a nickel a can on the beer. Right. Um, you know, we'd rather open another tap room, and we're doing that. You know, in the next month or so. Where's the new tap room then? It's yeah, be, so let Ryan talked to it. He's yeah. it's his baby. Yeah, I mean we've been working hard on it, so we're about a month out from unleashing this new tap room on the city, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's at Colfax in York. Okay. So it gets that really center city vibe to it. For There's, sure. uh, you know, it's a historic building over a hundred years old that uh, we helped refurbish and uh, you know exposed brick and metal and you know a lot of our brand is in there and we added a little bit of city funk to it, mm-hmm. but. Uh, we have so many people driving from the city up here, and uh, you know we had always talked about opening a second tap room. We didn't rush into it. We spent three years looking, and we mm-hmm. finally found one. So, what um, do you have an opening day set? It'll be in November, as okay. long as we get the final permits. We're we're about okay. a week out from getting our final permits. Right. We hope, but one week turns into four sometimes with yeah. the uh, government. So we're. We're, we're not banking on it yet, but by the end of the year, for sure, we'll be open down there. And we'll have 20 lines down there as well, and there'll be some different beers, some that we'll carry just down there, some that we'll carry just up here. We're not brewing down there. We'll feed it from here. Okay. Uh, we have a really good team on the brewing side, and 
we did not want to run two brew teams. I okay. mean, we, we, we gel and we can work out of one facility way better than we could too. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like one of those mantras of, of do it well mm-hmm. and, and don't spread too thin. So you that know? means you have a, we have a kitchen down there? No, no, we've no, got no, no, a ton of local We're, we're food. not restaurateurs. Okay. Okay. No, we agreed on that from day one That's, that we would yeah, not be adding that. a yeah. restaurant to okay. our brewery. Okay. It's, it's a distraction right. that we didn't want. People make much better food than we do, and we make much better beer than they do. Yeah. So together we rise. This food truck just pulled up out front, and uh, they're going to be serving. We book eight food trucks a week here. Okay. We get some of the best food trucks in town because we sell them out. Nice. And so for us, they show up, they sell food, we sell beer, and together we rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what we go on with, with our brewery. That's why we built it this community. This art wall behind us is an example of that. Yeah. We do a different artist every month. Okay. We don't charge them anything to hang their art. They don't can sell their art. Wow. We've sold hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of art off these walls. We haven't taken a dime. That's awesome. We only require one thing of each artist, and that's to do an opening reception. Okay. Bring their mom and sister or whoever, uh-huh. uh, friends. And so it exposes our brand to people that we probably haven't reached. Uh-huh. Uh, and they get to sell art. And again, together we rise. Yeah. Right? So yeah. The food trucks, the artists. Uh, all of that starts to play off of each other, and, and we very much have that view. Well, we stick with our expertise. The artist sticks with their expertise. Mm-hmm. The food guy sticks with their expertise. And people who throw events there, they do their thing. We don't charge for that either. Yeah. Um, but together, w- we all come out ahead, and that's kind of the fun side of, of running yeah. a brewery. Part of the theme of it, too, you know, Belgian beer especially is, but all beers, are a collection of art and science. Mm-hmm. Yep. So whereas the German beers tend to be more toward the science, the Belgian beers tend to be more toward the art. We were in a brewery over in Belgium, and we were asking them, you know, what kind of readings do you take of the beer? They're just like, we don't measure anything. You know, it's all based <laughs> on taste, mm-hmm. and when it's matured enough that it tastes good, then we'll sell you it. Do it. And, you do uh, it. Prior to that, you know, the rest of the time it's going to sit in, in uh, big vats and in uh, barrels all over the place. And yeah. That's just how they do it. It's it's all about art. They'll sit down with a tasting panel and determine whether the beer is ready to sell or not or what it what it needs. A commitment to, to your environment when you take that approach yeah. too as well, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, how has the community kind of accepted things up here? I mean obviously we've got some, some townhomes and some homes around here. Is that the bulk of the folks that come in here and drink the beer or Yeah, you know, you've got a lot of people from the Midtown community. Midtown okay. is um, it's uh, kind of an up-and-coming community. It really, uh, what you see a lot is young families, mm-hmm. couples that are going to have children or yeah. couples that do have children, and, you know, uh, not so much older kids. Yeah. So it kind of goes up through toddler age, and, yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, and then I think they end up going somewhere else. Uh-huh, but, uh-huh. but we've always been family-friendly in here. Uh, and uh, the other thing is we're dog-friendly. Okay. So being in Adams County... Um, We've really promoted it, and Ryan, who is a huge dog lover, you know, mm-hmm. has uh, championed it. And we advertise in Rocky Mountain Dog Magazine. And, okay. But, you know, we talk about being dog friendly. And if, if you're out walking your dog in the winter, yeah. you know, you want to stop in for a beer, you don't want to have to tie him up outside. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, we've become the nucleus of this neighborhood, for sure. And there's not a lot around here. It's an emerging neighborhood. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of the best thing they got going, right? A, a gathering point and yeah. good people, good good drink, and that's what we wanted to build. And uh, We built it big. We built it to hold community events. And okay. like I said, we don't charge to do it. Wow. You, you want to bring 150 people in here and do an event, we do it. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's let's, let's get together and have some fun and 
and you yeah. know make beer a part of it but uh, this neighborhood's appreciative they're supportive they've been behind us since day one mm-hmm. absolutely um, since day we one. couldn't have done it it's without great. them you know and they're a good base for us it's not enough to survive on mm-hmm. uh, but luckily we have that draw across town so it's it's good but yeah no the midtown neighborhood we've grown with them right yeah. we've seen kids that were newborns that are now three four years old almost and you That's know it, cool. it's been kind of cool to yeah, see that whole 50 thing houses up here when we signed the lease aha uh-huh. wow it's a little busier now probably 800 now whoa still growing okay yeah it's going to get up to about 1150 before it's jeez that's that's awesome you can tell it's definitely growing now out of respect for your time i know that you two need to get rolling um aside from the opening any other things that you would like to plug you want us to kind of put out there and have folks you know i think our big thing is our next belgium trip which is october i think it's going to be october 3rd through the 13th next year it's a 10-day belgian trip with us we bring you up to the brewery a couple of times before the trip we educate you on the styles and the history we taste a lot of stuff okay okay and then we all go over and reap the benefits together and you know we always say you got three things you got to do when you go to belgium it's eat drink and talk to people okay and then we change towns and you got to eat drink and talk Talk to to people people. and we do that for 10 days nobody gets tired of it it's it's quite the journey just a totally smooth trip we didn't even have one person complaining on the trip everybody loved it how many and people can go? Um, what do you we took 46 this past 46. year. 46, okay. Yep, and this right. time we're going to cap it at 25. All right. Uh, it'll sell out, okay. but we, we love it. Again, it's part of our education. And then Charlie hosts uh, once a month a World of Belgian Beers class. Right here? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And we do. Well, well, we'll taste our way through the 15 top styles of Belgian beer. Okay. And, uh, you know, we use beers that we've made here. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Some people are like, well, where can we get this? Well, right over there, right? <laughs> That's where you get it. And they can find that on Facebook, I assume, in the website. You put all that stuff up yeah, there? Yeah, we put yep. all that on the website. So we'll do some other classes from time to time. Okay. Um, we do a lot of events. Mm-hmm. We have a Belgian Brew Fest every uh, April. And the Belgian Brew Fest is about a dozen local breweries that uh, make enough Belgian styles that they would consider that a, a specialty for okay. them. Okay. Yeah, we and host that up here in the spring every year. Uh-huh. We get Omegang from New York to come out, nice. and we get Duval from wow. Belgium to yeah. come over. And, and then we handpick a dozen other breweries, Colorado breweries, that pour the styles that we like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we handpick them every year, and we do that here. It sells out every year. Uh, we open up the side. We do live bands. But it, it's called Belgian Brew Fest, and it's a celebration of Colorado. And then we get some beers from the from the motherland yeah. now. And, uh, and y- you wouldn't believe we started this thing three years ago. Uh, thinking, man, we just want to appreciate and promote the Belgian style in Colorado, and it went nuts, and we've sold it out every year. And now it's become one of those events that grab your tickets early. You That's know? awesome. Yeah. That's great. We're proud of that. And we'll be, we'll be pouring in January up in Big Beers, probably our mm-hmm. favorite okay. festival of the okay. year. Yeah, um, I'm going to be doing a seminar up there, and then we're pouring, uh, and we're, we take our best stuff up there. Yeah, of course. It's a, yeah. it's a great we, festival. We lay aside yeah. kegs that, you know, are going to go to Big Beers. Yes, that makes total sense. We, our favorite festival. Well, Ryan and Charlie, uh, thank you both very much. We'll do a quick cheers with our empty cheers. glasses here. Yeah. Thank you. Um, really appreciate it. So, folks, if you uh, in the Denver area, if you live here, if you're traveling here, and you want a good Belgian beer, uh, Bruce Beers, I highly, highly recommend it. Thank you guys so much. Cheers. Cheers. All right.